Studios, teeing it up. Swamps of Jersey, Charleston, South Carolina. This is teeing it up. Presents the Sunday Sprint. It's week seven. I don't know why I almost said 11. Week seven of the National Football League season for 2020. We are joined by the great Luke Morrow, as always. Good afternoon or good morning, whatever this is. Yeah, great is very kind. Good morning. Um, I'm enthusiastic for this, and I don't know why. Um, because there's a bunch of bizarre games in the schedule, and then there's some really good games in the schedule. But let's start here. When you look at that Tampa Dodger finish last night, and it's a reminder of why baseball is so wild, because it's you know two errors in the same play, and... and different agendas, but you got to give this Rays team credit. They have fought and fought and fought all postseason, and now this is a best of three tied up at 2-2. Yeah, I mean, this is just what the Rays do. They find ways to win and sometimes in almost unbelievable fashion like last night. And on the flip side, I mean, that's kind of what the Dodgers have been known to do over the last eight years is uh, lose these playoff games and lose them in the, maybe the most uh, crushing ways if you're a Dodgers fan. And, and last night making two errors on the same play essentially where both times they just kind of got ahead of themselves and uh, cost them. And Kevin Jansen has been unreliable and he, he was last night even if you know, he didn't get the defensive help on that final play. But it was a wild ending. It reminded me of I think it was game three of the 2013 World Series when uh, the Cardinals won on what was essentially a walk-off you know, interference call yeah. in a similar fashion. Uh, but anytime, yeah, you get those big games that end you know, in crazy ways like that. It's, it's, it's something. And as you mentioned, three-game series, you know, the team that usually wins uh, game five in these types of series, they go on to win the series at something like 70%. Uh, it's not higher. So, you know, tonight is going to be huge. Um, what was I going to say? So I was going to say something about... Uh, Winning. Oh, oh. Um, I, I, I am concerned though about Dick Vitale. He got very excited last night. Um, <laughs> Dick Vitale, for those who don't know, is a diehard Tampa sports fan because of his age. He's been forced to basically be inside for seven months during the pandemic, and uh, sports has been his his outlet. And he's a diehard Rays fan. He's a season ticket holder. His seats are in like the second row. Um, he can't attend these games, which is heartbreaking. He loves this franchise and loves this team, and he's fully enjoying, to say the least, if you're on social media, um, this, this ride to the playoffs. A team that's not going to make the playoffs, uh, Lucas, the New York Football Jets, um, who are 10-point underdogs at home today against Buffalo in a game that could get wet. Um, so there's always intrigue around the Jets, right? And the intrigue this week uh, that's not getting, I don't think, enough headlines is that we're going to have an XFL kicker kicking for them today, Sergio Castillo. Um, right. Sam Ficken uh, is out. He has a groin problem. So enter a guy who's kicked in the CFL, the XFL, but never in the NFL. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to his opportunity. We'll see how many opportunities he gets today. <laughs> Yes, uh, it might not be many. Um, what is interesting, when you don't have Jamison Crowder, uh, and, who has been so often the, the safety valve for Sam Darnold, who's back today as starter, you, you, you look at two things when it's the Jets. A, can they get any kind of offensive momentum with anybody of any talent? And number two, 
will this defense stop committing penalties? We saw yesterday one of the reasons why Indiana was in that game against Penn State for so long was because of how undisciplined Penn State was. So the question becomes then, can the Jets be disciplined? Because beyond that, I, I don't really see how this game is competitive, and I see that this is a Buffalo um, walkover, um, near, near forfeit uh, mercy rule type score, unless the Jets become a different team or Josh Allen and company lay a big egg. I feel like every time, you know, each week when we talk about the Jets, we talk about their opponent with the opportunity for like a get-right game. And I think that's certainly the case for the Bills where they're coming off these back-to-back losses against good teams in prime time. And now you come away thinking like, "Eh, how good is this Bills team? And they're reminiscent a little bit of the Cowboys from a year ago where, you know, they beat up on some bad teams, lose to the playoff teams that they face. And Sean McDermott now in Buffalo, if, you, if we assume that the Chiefs and Titans will be playoff teams this year, which seems like a safe assumption, McDermott right now will be 3-14 and 14 against playoff teams in Buffalo. So that's a little concerning. But the point being, now you get the Jets. You're like a two-touchdown favorite. I think there are a lot of doubters out there for Buffalo. I don't know if today's going to change anything because it is the Jets, but I do think the Bills come out after those two tough losses. And even on a short week, look to make some sort of statement after some of the noise they've been hearing the last two weeks that people think, eh, maybe Buffalo's a little overrated. Maybe they're not quite there yet. I think they'll come out and you know put their foot down against the Jets. Um, I, I just want to touch on, on, on your Vikings for one second. You're in a bye week, but every time I turn around and see a headline about this team, it's something that doesn't make sense. You're trading key defensive players. You're not winning football games. Kirk Cousins is in the headlines for the wrong reasons. What is happening with the Vikings? Oh, it's just classic Vikings. I mean, even, you know, you always expect bye weeks to be like quiet, simple weeks. You don't hear about your team. And there's no such thing for the Vikings. I mean, this week, as you mentioned, we traded uh, Ndakwe, who that trade made no sense to me. We uh, traded to get him. He played five games. Then we traded him away, and essentially we moved back 50 spots in the draft, 52 as of now, right, today, 52 spots in the draft for five games and one win of a defensive end. I, I don't get it. I thought we were going to resign him. Then you say, well, you know, we want to get rid of him and get some draft picks as some sort of rebuild. Well, in the process, like I just said, we moved back 52 spots in the draft, so that doesn't help either. So I don't get that whole move, what we did with him. And then on the very uh, next day, I think it was, Daniel Hunter is getting season-ending surgery, our other good uh, you know, defensive end, and then George Ioka. On the final day of practice before they were given the rest of the week off and for the bye, he tore his ACL. So uh, the defense is just further depleted. Um, it's been a mess. Uh, now the Vikings have said that they're still trying to you know, win this year, but it does seem like they're starting to set things up for you know potentially the draft and to kind of rebuild moving forward. I, I thought that's why this was an unusual year, was we were kind of trying to rebuild while also trying to compete at the same time. We're rebuilding our defense. We only have four starters on defense from a year ago. It's very young defensively, but yet offensively we had the makings of an offense that is ready to compete now. So I thought we were kind of in, in the middle there where we, the Vikings weren't sure if they were going to try to be a playoff team or if they just wanted to go kind of full, you know, take a year off and just rebuild and get these guys ready. And now it looks like after the slow start, trying to uh, turn our attention to the future. Um. Cowboys football team today, two, two and four versus one and five. And, and people may be asking, why am I bringing this up? Well, this could be 
a key game and who wins the NFC East, um, which is a bizarre statement to be making, Luke Morrow, but that's kind of the way the ball's bouncing right now in that division. Yeah, I mean, I said about the Thursday night football game, I was saying it all day in my radio show, that I think this was the first time that we had a game equally as important for the division as it was, you know, like the number one pick for both teams involved. It's a really odd situation in this division. Uh, and I guess it's similar to certainly Washington. Like today is as big of a game for trying to get the number one pick as it is for even the division, uh, depending on if you win or lose. Uh, and the Cowboys, I guess, uh, could be the same if they continue to play as poorly as they have. Um, but, you know, I love Dallas all week in this game because I thought, you know, blown out Monday Night Football, everyone's selling their stock on Dallas, thinking, oh, Andy Dalton, this team's terrible with Andy Dalton. And I thought, you know, against Washington of all teams, they'd come out today and they'd get right and they'd play well and Andy Dalton would show he's not as bad as maybe he looked Monday and Ezekiel Elliott won't fumble the football. But then, as I was looking at these games uh, just yesterday and getting ready to make my uh, picks against the spread today, um, a lot of money has come in on the Cowboys, and yet the line has moved in the Redskins' direction, which tells you the sharp betters are all over Washington. Did I say Redskins? Washington. Washington football team. Uh, and they are now uh, favored. Plus, the Cowboys haven't covered a spread all year. Uh, the spread is only one last I saw, so it's essentially a pick em. And teams that lose by double digits on Monday Night Football uh, are 20 and 55 against the spread the following week. So, all of this to say, I originally really liked the Cowboys. I thought they would bounce back. But just looking at the betting market, there's a lot of signs that tell me Washington is actually going to win this game, and that's the way to go with the, with any bet. So now I've switched, and I think I don't really know how it's going to happen because they've lost five in a row. They're a terrible team. They get they average to lose by double digits. But I think Washington gets the win against Dallas today, just because that's what the, the betting market is telling me. It's going to be ugly, but I think Washington wins. Um. If you did say uh, the former team name, and I will go back and check, you owe your producer Joe, myself, each $5, and you have to extend my radio spot every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Morrow Midday Show, Talking Golf, by five minutes. It's like, uh, it's like the swear jar. I got I to yes. put the money in the jar now. And then the more times you mention it, the more my spot gets expanded by five minutes each time. So, well, if, if you use that name a lot, then I'm spending basically a whole hour of your show with you. And I'll tell you Lonto the, uh, Griffin's life story and, you know, why the second cut of rough at, you know, the Bermuda Championship is a sign of uh, where golf is going and, you know, all the great topics you would love to talk about if you just had the time on your radio show. Well, that would certainly be motivation to make sure I, I don't use that old team name anymore. Thank you for the kind words. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> um, Monday Night Football is intriguing in this sense. Every single week I keep asking you, is, are the Bears for real? Are the Bears for real? And it's 5-1 and one and it's 4-2. and two. And it's a gut check game for Sean McVay and Jared Goff against a Bears team that somehow keeps getting wins. And it's not just on the back of your awful Vikings. Um, sorry, I just had to take that dig, but I've probably lost any ability to extend by five minutes now if you say that word again. Um, th this game is only intriguing because I feel like the Rams should, th should, should just blow them out and this should be like, okay, done Bears, go back, figure out your quarterback issue for the future. But they just keep hanging around. 
Yeah, they do. Uh, and this is one of those games, like you said, I, I put the Rams in that category as well uh, as a team that I'm still trying to figure out. Now, for the Bears, a 5-1 and one record is surprised to me every week. Four of the five wins have been by four points or less. And then the other one was this past Sunday when they beat the Panthers by a touchdown. And uh, if you watch the game, I mean, the Panthers had ample opportunities. Uh, they, they kept uh, blowing their opportunities to potentially tie or win that game in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I know you are what your record says you are, but the numbers also say that the Bears have been very fortunate and maybe even a little luck involved to get to that record. And the Rams are similar, similar where the Rams are 4-2. and two. I love San Francisco last week against the, uh, against the Rams. Uh, because the Rams, uh, their four wins have come against the four NFC East teams, which are some of the worst teams in football. And then they've lost to the Bills and the 49ers, who are two you know better teams. So I don't know about the Rams either. Jared Goff looked lousy last week uh, against the Niners. So both of these teams have good records. They're in the playoff picture. But I watch them, and I don't know if they really are as good as a normal playoff team. And now they're playing against one another Monday, so I don't know if we're going to get an answer because they can both look, you know, uh, just as bad, and one of them will come away with the win anyways. And uh, I think the Bears uh, going cross-country to the Rams, and the Rams have been, uh, you know, they both have the extra day, but the Bears have to spend some time traveling. Uh, this is a tough spot for Chicago, I think. Um, and Nick Foles has thrown an interception in every game this year, so he turns the football over. I'm not sold on either one of these teams. I'm curious to see what they look like on Monday, but I think I'll go with the Rams because they get to stay at home, even if there is not much of a home field advantage, and the Bears are the ones that have to travel. Luke, uh, we're getting to the end of our radio program. Aww. But if you were counting, that's four games, so uh, we're going to combine segments here on, 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 on the sprint on Sunday. I, I, you know. This is groundbreaking, but this is what we're doing. All right. Because I believe that the game of the day is Steelers-Titans. Yes. A battle of 5-0 and teams. And what is so interesting about this game, if anybody has actually sat down and watched Pittsburgh, this is probably the best, best Pittsburgh defense in, in several years. And they have an offense that can support it, and we know that, and we know how Big Ben has, has, has responded so well this season. But to me, it's the defense, and this is the ultimate old-school Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry-type offense to face an old-school Pittsburgh defense. Mike Tomlin, we, we, we know the ferocity in which they try to bring it at the line of scrimmage. This, to me, is an interesting game to evaluate the Pittsburgh defense against. The over-under on this game is 51, which is basically 20, you know, 27-24 type deal. So Vegas thinks there's going to be points, but for my money, I think it's interesting to see what defense can make the stand in the big moment because the offenses and, and, and Big Ben and Juju are, and, and Tannehill Henry are just way too talented to not let points get onto the board. The points will get onto the board. I'm curious as to how the, how the defenses respond. I think, for some reason, it seems like, I know they're undefeated, I think the Steelers are underrated. I don't think we talked about how impressive they have been. Yeah. Uh, they have the number two defense, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, I mean, he touched on both these points, but yeah, the defense is number two, and Ben Roethlisberger has, right now, a career-high quarterback rating coming off this injury. He's got a career-high completion percentage. He's got 11 touchdowns to one interception, and he's been doing it with one of his best receivers essentially injured all year, Deontay Johnson, who uh, has been able to play, I think, like two full games all year. The Steelers have been really good. Um, and so now they go to Tennessee, 
And the Titans, we know, uh, are, you know, the Titans, their defense is bottom five in yards allowed, bottom 12 in points. They're being led by this surprisingly good offense. And they go up against a better defense in the Steelers. And so uh, the Steelers have the number two rush defense. So if they can minimize Derrick Henry, you know, how good can Ryan Tannehill play? I know statistically he's been like the best quarterback in the league the last 16 games. But I, there's a reason why they took the football out of his hands in the playoffs and, you know, we're handing it off to Derrick Henry. I still think this offense is built around Derrick Henry. Tannehill had a great game last week. Derrick Henry had over 200 rushing yards. So if the Steelers are able to slow down Derrick Henry, force Tannehill to try to make plays, I think that's where the Titans get in trouble. Plus, the Steelers lead the league in sacks. The Titans just lost their best offensive lineman. I like the Steelers in this matchup, even on the road, to beat Tennessee. I think the Steelers are the more well-rounded team. And when we've had two undefeated teams, two teams that are 5-0 and or better, when they have played each other, every time the winner has gone to the Super Bowl. So, I guess, whoever wins this game, we can histor- uh, history tells us that's the team that's going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And I guess we'll know that by the end of the day, of the day but I think it's the Steelers. Tomorrow, Midday Show airs on ESPN 98.9 FM, Charleston, South Carolina, and a myriad of other um, affiliates in the area. I forgot to mention that earlier, so I just wanted to get that in there. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, so, um, we have, no, and, and I'm with you that this could be an AFC Championship preview, at least in terms of who is one of the two teams in that game um, uh, as part of this. All right. Uh, so that's, I believe, you and I both agree is the game of the day. So that would bring us then to your sleeper game. And for me, it's Kansas City-Denver purely because of snow. Everybody loves a snow football game. Yes. Oh, I love it. I'm looking forward to that. By the way, quick side note, when you want to talk about weather, uh, someone tweeted this out. It's kind of random. But if the Minnesota Twins were in the World Series and this was a normal year, uh, it was 28 degrees in Minnesota yesterday. Imagine if they were hosting a World Series game. That'd be something in their outdoor stadium. Yes. And a little weather. Um, uh, sleeper game. I'm going to go Panthers Saints. Part of it is because you know I'm interested in it. And I have to watch this game, uh, but it is intriguing because the quietly the Panthers, if they win, they'll have a better record than the Saints, and they'll be in second place in the NFC South, which I think would be surprising to many. And Teddy Bridgewater is really good as an underdog. He's going up against his former team. Uh, I think the Panthers have a chance to win in New Orleans, and I just think it's going to be a good game uh, for both those teams. That somehow you know this has become an important game for the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, how Drew Brees, uh, without Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas, um, right. you know, performs. A lot of people wondering um, what what his status is. All right, game to watch golf during. We have John Rahm trailing Justin Thomas. They're in the final group together, and then the other side of the golf course, out of contention, but together, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson group together. For Tiger, I, you know, look, he's he has performed well this week at times. He's not been able to sustain it over 72 holes. If he plays well today, it would be 36 holes of quality play as he floats Houston as a possibility. Justin Thomas wins this thing, and that's a very long way of saying that I have absolutely positively zero interest in Jacksonville and the Chargers. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, certainly your Jets would be up there. And I'll also say Packers-Texans. I think it could be an intriguing game. I'll be paying attention. But I think it's one of those the Packers come out. They just got embarrassed. Uh, the Texans are not very good. I think the Packers come out and uh, put up a lot of points on Houston and, and probably blow them out today to get right. So I'll say that game just because of the final score. 
That is also my Survivor game. Sounds like it would be yours, so that satisfies that. And this means it's time for the segment Luke never plays, uh, preps for, excuse me, which is the person or player Luke is watching today. I'm going to go Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, that, that's the fastest answer, by the way, you have ever given to this question on this radio show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, uh, Bill Belichick against his former quarterback. He's 11-3, and three, and they average 13 points per game against Belichick, which is a touchdown fewer than their normal average for those teams. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners, they go cross-country. Uh, if they lose, they're going to be under 500. They're still banged up. He's missing some pieces. Raheem Mostert is not going to be around. I want to see how Jimmy Garoppolo does against his former team because Belichick, as we know, always great against these former quarterbacks, former assistants, all that sort of stuff. He knows the secret. I think the Patriots uh, bounce back and get a win. Uh, two people, one tongue-in-cheek, one not tongue-in-cheek. Brandon Mann, he's the Jets punter. If Sergio Castillo does not have a good game, and Brandon Mann does, Brandon Mann could put himself way ahead of the pack in, in, in terms of being the, the uh, Jets team MVP. Um, and this is something that my dad and I track majorly in bad seasons, which is who is the Jets MVP on a horrendous football team? So, Luke, this is the kind of content that I you know, try to produce every week um, for this. It looks like a safe bet. Yes. Um, realistically, I'm curious to see how Le'Veon Bell looks in um, Kansas City. And number two, I'm still not quite sure if Tom Brady and the Bucks are firing on all cylinders yet. Now they had Antonio Brown. Um, and week nine's the first week he can play. That is against the Saints. They face Las Vegas today. Um, going to be interesting how this plays out. They play the Giants next week, which uh, should be an easy cakewalk for a Tom Brady team. But we got a couple trap games in here, and they're on the road, and they're inside a dome, and that means that it's a track meet and could take away some of Brady's powers. Yeah, well, let's see if the Raiders uh, even have like their offensive line. Well, yes, that is true. Uh, they, they, they have everybody except Trent Brown as of right now, but we'll see what happens um, come 4.05 on the Fox Television Network. Luke, thank you as always. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Enjoy your football weekend, everybody.